Hello and welcome to the planet today. It is Friday, January 13th, 2023. Here on TPT, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy every single Friday with bonus interviews on Mondays and a shorter episode on the first Monday of each month. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here with producer and co-host Nick Janusa. Nick, how is it going? Matty, it's going pretty well, dude. Um, I am excited because I'm doing well with my uh, my New Year's goals. Nice. So that's all you can ask for, right? Just progress and uh, one foot in front of the other. Yeah. What's it? Uh, every every day, just be a better version of yourself. That one percent better goal. Yep. <laughs> that's a Dan Walsh special. Yeah. And hey, if you're listening, you're like, I wasn't one percent better today that's fine you know it's it's on average so you're mm-hmm. gonna have your down days you're gonna have your average days just make sure we're getting a little bit better every day and you're doing you're doing just fine exactly exactly we take the punches and we roll with them yeah we are uh we are fostering kittens right now so this is a fun fun episode for me oh. i am uh they're little i showed nick before the show they're like eight weeks old but god i am attached already and i hope we get <laughs> to keep one <laughs> yeah are we going to see some like climbing on your shoulder by the end of the pod? Uh, not today because they're still getting used to their their situation, but maybe next week when they're okay. a little bit more used to, to being here. Okay, good. I'll keep you to uh, that. And if my landlord is listening, this is all alleged. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Before I get kicked out of my apartment, let's, uh, let's do this show. <laughs> Time for our quick hits for the week. And the first one is by Coral Davenport of the New York Times, who writes, Biden administration moves to tighten limits on deadly air pollution. The Biden administration announced last week a proposal to tighten limits on fine particulate matter, which is the category of pollutants that includes soot. Fine particulate matters come from industrial processes, including power plant emissions, construction, trucking, stuff like that. It's prone to getting stuck in our lungs due to its extremely small size, uh, which can be no more than 2.5 micrometers to be considered fine particulate matter. And Coral Davenport writes that 2.5 micrometers is one thirtieth the width of a piece of human hair. This is the first time in over 10 years that the government is stepping in to regulate fine particulate matter, which is linked to thousands of premature deaths every year. In adults, it is linked to heart attacks, strokes, and respiratory illnesses. Davenport writes that the draft proposed by the Biden administration would be to tighten the current emissions limit by 25%, which could prevent up to 4,200 premature deaths every year, prevent 270,000 missed workdays per year, and result in $43 billion in net health and economic benefits over the next decade. Yeah, and and if that's not enough for you, you know, if the people being healthier and, and not missing work, you know, people not dying early or $43 billion in cost savings. If that doesn't get you fired up about this, this ruling would also be a great move for those who care about equity. 
Poor and minority communities are disproportionately exposed to soot and other air pollution because they are frequently located near highways, power plants, and other industrial facilities. Some business groups say that this would harm the economy, but the EPA's cost-benefit analysis concluded that it would cost industry between $95 to $390 million to tighten these regulations, which I feel like we say this every single time there's a cost-benefit analysis for something big like this or, or any sort of climate reform. Yeah, that's a lot of money, you know, on the on the high end, $390 million. It's going to save between eight to, like Nick said, $43 billion. So name one investment yep. that, you know, you throw in 95 bucks and you make, what would that be, 8,000 bucks? Like, who, who's going to say no to that? And in this case, we're talking $95 mil, uh, million. It's a lot. $8 billion in savings is way more. And that's on the low end of these estimates. Right, exactly. Some environmental justice advocates wanted the proposal to do more for protecting vulnerable communities because this doesn't mitigate the generational damage caused by fine particulate matter in the past. Yeah, and it's a good point. You know, the communities that are going to be the most impacted by soot, by fine particulate matter, they have been the most impacted for years. And, and Nick, we did that episode last year, or maybe it was 2021 at this point, about redlining. And we talked about how redlining still had these really intense impacts on communities when it came to respiratory diseases in children or in adults, um, even just heat. You know, the, the areas that were redlined didn't have as many trees typically, so they were hotter, right. um, stuff like that. So this didn't really go that far in the proposal to say, hey, we understand that this situation has been going on for a long time and we want to remedy that. But what it does do is say, we want to make sure that the situation is better moving forward. Right, right. Exactly. And I mean, this is like, it has to be a no brainer, does it not? Like you're saving what could be up to 4,200 premature deaths every year. You're stopping people from having heart attacks, strokes, and any respiratory illnesses. And the first city that came to mind when you said um, that the particulate matter comes from industrial processes, like power plant emissions, construction, trucking, was like Newark. I don't know why that was the first thing that struck my head, but this, it's such a good example of just like an area where poor or minority communities are getting disproportionately exposed to it and it's not right and it's not fair. And are we going to close the generational gap on that? I don't know. The damage gap? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And I don't think that this one goes far enough to close that gap. But what it does at the very least is start to make sure that that gap isn't going to get wider moving forward. Um, you know, New Newark is a good example. It's right. We're talking about Newark, New Jersey for people who aren't super close to where we grew up, but Newark's right off the highway. So there is a lot of emissions from cars, trucks that are driving by. Um, and, and a lot of the neighborhoods that are closer to the highway are poor or minority communities that are, are disproportionately impacted by those cars and trucks driving by, those airplanes taking off near the airport. Um, hopefully, this is step one in saying we're going to make sure that soot and other fine particulate matters are emitted less, and that's going to make sure that those people are no worse off compared to where they are now. And then we could work on closing that gap later. And do I wish that we've started to close the gap now? Of course. You know, I, I always want us to strive to be as close to perfect as possible. But 
let's not let perfect get in the way of very good. And I think this is a very good move. Agreed. Agreed. The EPA is going to allow public comments on the proposed rule for the next 60 days. So if you care about this, if you care about causes like this, then go look up the EPA's website and, uh, you know, make your voice heard. You don't have to be writing public comments just for things that you disagree with. Sometimes it's good to get your voice out and say, this is something I really support. Yeah, agreed. And it's better than doing it on like under like a New York Times or Yahoo News article. Yeah. Let's, let's just say that. All right. Let's move on, though, to our next story from The Guardian, where Arthur Neslin writes, EU ban on deforestation linked goods sets benchmark, says U.S. lawmakers. Neslin writes that this groundbreaking EU deal bans importing goods linked to deforestation while setting a global benchmark that should encourage the U.S. to pass a similar law. Starting in 2024, the EU will require firms working in deforestation hotspots to certify that their goods have not harmed forests as of December 31st, 2020. CEO of Mighty Earth, Glenn Hurwitz, called the legislation historic and momentous, despite some gaps that he found in the legislation. Yeah, he added, we believe that if China, India, the U.S. and Japan took the EU's lead and emulated these key legal steps, then nearly 75% of the world's imported deforestation could be eliminated within a few years. There are some concerns that House Republicans could block Senate Democrats from passing a U.S. Forest Act with similar goals. But this passage should help the U.S. pass a meaningful law. Yeah, the thought is that the EU and the U.S. are strong allies, and this is a good opportunity to work together on a really important issue and say, yeah, we're united in this front. Hawaiian Senator Brian Schatz said that if we do nothing, the U.S. is going to become a dumping ground for commodities that are no longer legal in Europe. So if Europe is going to be trying to phase out deforestation, but we're still buying it up, it's not really going to make a difference. And that's why to prove that, you know, we are the allies, we are the friends that we treat the EU as, it's going to be really important to pass legislation that either mimics them, maybe even goes further. Yeah. Yeah. So the U.S. Forest Act has been criticized for being much weaker than the EU law because it has more limited enforcement and only covers illegal deforestation. This would exclude 30 to 50% of tropical deforestation, and that percentage is technically legal. Tina Schneider of the World Resource Institute summed it up best for me. Um, she said it's most important to get as many markets as possible to pass broadly similar regulations to avoid leakage. Instead of focusing on zero deforestation versus zero illegal deforestation, passing anything is going to be an important first step. And it kind of just goes back to what we talked about on that previous story. We can't let good get in the way of perfect. We know that zero deforestation is better, but zero illegal deforestation is still good while we strive to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And like, I feel like we're already kind of seeing this with like, products being um specifically designated as like this is a no-go zone for deforestation um, yeah and that's like fair trade certification yeah fair trade certification all that sort of stuff exactly thank you um so that's good that at least on the consumer side we're saying no to these products that would also help but yeah i mean the eu ban if it's going to actually do anything to serve the entire global world we're all going to kind of have to jump on board with it. And if we don't, again, it might not be great, but at least it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I hope that I hope we can pass something that says zero illegal deforestation because that's better than the alternative. 
it's not as good as zero deforestation, but you know, anything in this case to get us closer is a good first step. Um, Nick brought up stuff like fair trade certifications and, and forest friendly packaging. What I will say is this is kind of just a greater talking point right now. Sustainability is, is hot right now. People like sustainable goods. People like to have their their companies appear forest friendly, climate friendly, green. Yes. Be careful with not just taking everything at face value. Uh, make sure that, you know, your fair, fair trade certification is pretty good. But there, there are other ways to say like, hey, we're using recycled materials. Like that, that's great. But where is it coming from? Where is it getting sourced from? Um, are your clothes going to last a long time? Because if it's recycled materials, but it's not meant to last more than a season, to me, that's not as sustainable as like virgin cotton that's going to last you for 10 years. So yeah, just with anything in life, you know, do your research, make sure that, that your values are reflected in your purchases. And uh, hopefully we're not supporting deforestation at all in the coming years. Yeah, agreed. The next story is titled Australia Flood Crisis Once in a Century from BBC News. Heavy rains in Western Australia caused communities to be stranded and left hundreds in need of evacuation, according to this article. Um, An emergency services minister said it was the worst flooding Western Australia had ever experienced. The crisis in the Kimberley region started last week after a tropical cyclone that was downgraded to a severe weather system brought in heavy rain. Authorities have rescued over 200 people already with severe damage to homes, community, and livestock reported. Um, This is a very short article. There's a video. The video is extremely jarring. So if if you want to see footage of of people rescuing others and just see what the damage is like, the, the link is in your show notes for reference. Yeah, and this also comes at a time when California is experiencing heavy flooding after weeks of storms. Northwestern and Central California have been hit with between 10 to 20 inches of rain in the last two weeks. So far, 19 people have died. Yeah, and I don't think we're going to have to spend too much time talking about this one. Um, Obviously, we're hoping and praying for the best that the people are safe, that the the animals there are safe, that... You know, pe- people's safety comes first. But yeah. what I will add is that it's really concerning to me that we just keep hearing about these intense flooding events around the world more and more often. I don't know how much of that is attributed to 24-hour news, social media. You know, it's easier to get information now than I feel like it was yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, weird to say because we were kids 20 years ago, but it's, it's the sentiment really. And there's obviously been more intense flooding events than just these, but just off the top of my head, I can think of... 2021, it was Germany. Last year, it was India and Bangladesh. This year, Australia, California already. Um, I don't know. It just, you know, we, we hear that climate change is going to become more flooding events with more intense flooding every time. We're seeing that in real time. And it's it's nothing short of heartbreaking to see people and communities just kind of upended by something that's going to become normal with climate change continuing to get worse. Yeah, that, that's the scary part to me, too, is like, how is it even going to get worse? Like, we've had so many intense flooding events over the past couple of years. And like, to think that it will get worse is honestly scary and just makes you consider like everything in terms of like where you're going to live in the next couple of years and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, yeah, just not fun. My thoughts and prayers are with everyone who's who's affected by this. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get good news soon. 
Yeah. And, and with this, you know, this is something that obviously climate change mitigation is going to be important so that in 30 years, maybe we're on the tail end and, and flooding events are going down. But in the meantime, climate change adaptation is going to be the key because we know that these floods are going to keep happening. We know they're going to get worse. It's, mm-hmm. it's how do we prepare for them and how do we make sure that people are safe? Yeah, that's that's ultimately what this one comes down to. Absolutely. So, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we have uh, two more stories for you. Today's episode of The Planet Today is brought to you by Valo Alta. Valo Alta's Everyday Handkerchief is a high-performance daily-use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact. Made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the material's historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties, handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying. Ideal for functional use in all settings from the outdoors to routine encounters, their small and lightweight design makes one a must-carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A dot co and code TPT. Welcome back to the planet today, folks. Next up, New York partially banned cryptocurrency mining. Now environmentalists want more. By Politico's Mary J. French. Governor Kathy Hochul's two-year moratorium on new fossil fuel-powered cryptocurrency mining projects has already started deterring some crypto businesses from operating in the state. Environmentalists argue that this is a good thing and more states should follow suit. French writes that the Sierra Club and other environmental groups are pushing a bill to study the energy and environmental impacts of mining cryptocurrency in the U.S. Megan Waxpress of the Sierra Club said that we need to better understand what is happening and to enforce environmental laws that we have against coal and gas plants that are being operated to benefit crypto mining. Yeah, so we've spoken about this on the show a couple times. Um, I'm thinking of one episode we had with with CJ, uh, where we're seeing certain power plants that were supposed to close down or phase down their operations stay open to assist with crypto mining in certain states in the U.S. The New York law is a major step towards getting more information on the impacts related to this and preventing those power plants from staying open simply to provide energy for mining cryptocurrencies. Mining requires a tremendous amount of energy. So much so that the crypto industry as a whole might not be compatible with the state's new climate laws. Operations in New York can continue to mine crypto if it uses power from the electric grid, which would allow 100% renewable energy to power crypto mining. Yeah, and my thoughts on this, if you're new and haven't heard our our previous episodes where we've talked about crypto, to me, even 100% renewable cryptocurrency is a waste right now um, because we can use that renewable energy elsewhere. I'm not a crypto guy because to me it's always seemed wasteful. I'm happy to see New York pass this measure, but I do want to dive into that a little bit and just kind of give my thoughts as to why I'm saying, you know, right now I don't think even 100% renewable crypto is is useful. It's because 
our grid as a whole requires a lot of electricity to power it. And for every watt of of solar or wind or wherever we're powering it from that's going towards crypto mining, I think that could be better used elsewhere. And that's not to say in the future when we have, you know, 100% of the state's electricity coming from solar, wind, geothermal, hydro, then we can talk about including crypto in the in the mix because at that point, you know, there's no damage. We're getting our electricity from the sun, from the wind, and, and the sun and the wind aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Right now, I, I just don't want to waste solar and wind on something like this that, that's going to require a ton of energy when that can go towards clean energy for however many people's homes, yeah. for however many businesses. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. It's it's a finite number right now. It's not like we have unlimited energy, mm-hmm. renewable energy to just be thrown around towards uh, what we both consider as. So yeah, it's it does seem like a waste uh, and it seems like we could be putting it towards much uh, better things. Yeah. And, and I don't want to get too much into the whole crypto thing. We've, we've done it ad nauseum at this point. And the, the conversation that we're having has been done before. So if you're curious, just look up crypto and the planet today. There's ways to do it more sustainably, right? Like you can have renewable power going into it. You can do, I forget if proof of stake or proof of work is the, is the one that's more energy friendly. Like there's ways to do it that are better than others, but even in the best of ways, I just think that like we said, it's better yeah. used elsewhere to power homes, power businesses, stuff that you know keeps the state running. Yeah, agreed. Let's get into our last quick hit of the week, and it is by the Washington Post's Scott Dance, who writes, Ozone layer continues to heal, a key development for health, food security, and the planet, UN study says. All right, let's close today's show out with some good news. And that's something, uh, here's a little promise to the TPT fam out there. We're going to try to do that more often this year. I don't care if the most important story of the day is uh, is a sad one. We'll plug that in like second or third or something. Start and end your episodes with something to make you feel good about the climate. And in this case, the ozone layer is continuing to heal. Woo! As global emissions of the ozone harming chemicals continue to decline, the ozone layer itself continues to thicken. Ozone blocks UV radiation from reaching the Earth's surface, so it's important for human health, food security, and the planet's overall health. UVB radiation can cause cancer and eye damage in humans. In plants, UVB lowers growth and their ability to absorb carbon. So restoring ozone is important for climate change mitigation and protecting human health. World Meteorological Organization Secretary General Pateri Talas called this a precedent for climate action. The global community set out to reduce ozone-depleting chemicals. It worked. That same global cooperation can work for climate change. If this pace continues, the article says that the ozone layer could recover to 1980s levels across the world by the 2040s and by 2066 in Antarctica, where it is the thinnest. Scientists made a point to say that the improvements will not be linear because of how the ozone layer naturally fluctuates. Last year's Hunga Tonga volcanic eruption was an example of an event that can harm the ozone layer, despite humans emitting less ozone, depleting chemicals. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're doing our part. We are lowering the chemicals that they come in refrigerants, they come in those aerosol, the old, old hairsprays from the 90s. Those were all the things that mm-hmm. aerosols were banned for that reason. And it's proven to work. 
And for all that hard work, there's going to be blips like last year's volcanic eruption that was massive and just produced a ton of soot that went up into the atmosphere and caused damage to the ozone layer. So it's best for us to keep progress heading in the right direction so when that happens, it doesn't totally derail things. Reminder for some, new information for others, ozone is really important for the atmosphere, but dangerous if it's close to humans. So in this case, we are rooting for the ozone layer to be restored. The article explains that too much UV light without a proper ozone layer would make it impossible for life to thrive on Earth. Scary. Um, This is awesome, though. This is great news uh, to think that we could get it to 1980s levels by 2040. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is that's really cool. And it's honestly so shocking to me, I feel like, because like we've talked so much about like, you know, what's our like day zero and like, how are we going to get back on track? And will we ever, you know, reduce the amount of warming on this planet? And like to see that we can actually restore the ozone layer by taking action towards the products and, and stuff that's that's, you know, completely depleting it is got to be at least at the lowest level exciting. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, this is this is a shot at everybody who says cancel culture doesn't work. We canceled aerosols <laughs> and the world is better off for it. A hundred percent. Yep. Get your hairspray somewhere else. There's a bunch of other products out there that can do the same stuff for you. Get it in a gel. No, I mean, even the hairsprays now don't have the ozone depleting chemicals. I mean, they still emit other things that you're right. You know, if, if you can do it other ways, do it other ways. But look, I mean, the hairsprays that people are using today are far and away better for the atmosphere than they were 30 years ago. Right. And it shows, it shows in the fact that the ozone layer is, is looking good again. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. All right. We will close this episode out with uh, one thing that's unrelated to anything we talked about. Today's Thursday. Didn't really have time to dive into this article because Nick and I were both busy. Um, next week, we're going to cover an exciting story that's guaranteed to get people fired up. Breaking news, Exxon scientists predicted global warming decades ago with remarkable accuracy, a study found, even as the company publicly dismissed the threat. So you have a week to sit on that, you know, get fired up. We have the same villain we've had for the last, <laughs> I don't know, 40 years, but yeah. we're going to we're gonna yell at Exxon next week. It's, it's everybody's favorite segment because I just dive off the deep end, <laughs> but um yeah that's that's a little preview to next week's tpt oh god i can't wait (laughs) yeah nick's gonna have to hold me back before that episode we will be back on monday for our first interview of the year yes so matt spoke with samantha zwicker of oja nueva a wildlife rescue and rehabilitation center in peru that fights wildlife trafficking and conducts conservation research super cool yeah it was a really cool interview excited for you to hear it um also awesome to check in in the Amazon with somebody with, with boots on the ground. The <laughs> Wi-Fi was as spotty as you would expect because I talked to someone in the Amazon, which was super cool. Um, and I'm excited for you to hear it. But until then, go give the show a five star rating and review wherever you can. Follow our socials at Planet Today Pod or follow me on Twitter at Matt Norton. Nick Chanus produces our show and makes all of our music. Nick, where can people hear more of your stuff? You can hear more from me at soundcloud.com slash Budlin Cape. And that is B-U-D-L-Y-N-C-A-P-E. Go check me out, y'all. Our logo is made by Kaylee Veets. Have a great weekend, everyone. And we will catch you right here on Monday. Peace.